This is the Engineering Career Coach Podcast, the only podcast dedicated to helping engineers succeed in work and life. The show is hosted by engineering enthusiast Anthony Fasano and Chris Knutson. Both are professional engineers who found success early in their careers and now work together to help other engineers do the same. Now it's showtime. Hello, this is Anthony Fasano, and this is the show for engineers and technical professionals who want to succeed in both work and life. In today's episode, I'm going to talk to Stu Wallish about making mistakes and learning from them as an engineering professional. Stu, who I'll introduce momentarily, has been on the podcast before talking about whole brain thinking. He's authored many books, and he's been a very successful engineer and consultant in his career. Before we get into the main segment of our show, I want to take a moment to recognize our sponsor for this episode, PPI. PPI is helping tomorrow's leaders achieve licensure exam success. And just be sure to make sure you listen up at the end of this podcast to hear my advice on a super practical way you can advance in your career. Thanks to PPI, I also have an exclusive 20% discount available only to listeners of this podcast. So stay tuned for that. I also want to take a moment to tell you about our new Engineering Management Accelerator Workshop, which you can find at engineertomanager.com. For almost 10 years now, we've been trying to figure out how to help engineers become effective engineering managers, and I believe we finally figured out how, and it comes down to three words, intensity, focus, and accountability. And if you enroll in our Engineering Management Accelerator Workshop, you will experience all three. I am going to tell you more about the program at the end of the show as we are enrolling engineers for our next session right now at engineertomanager.com. All right, now I'd like to introduce our guest for the episode today, just so you get a little bit more about Stu before we dive into the conversation. Stu G. Wallace, PhD, PE, is an independent consultant providing management, engineering education training, and marketing services. He has 40 years of engineering education and management experience in the government, private, and academic sectors. Stu has served as a project engineer and manager, department head, discipline manager, marketer, legal expert, professor, and dean of an engineering college. Stu authored or co-authored seven books, including Engineering Your Future, The Professional Practice of Engineering and Managing, and Leading, 52 Lessons Learned for Engineers and Urban Surface Water Management. His book, Introduction to Creativity and Innovation for Engineers, was recently published, and that was the subject of the last episode that we had him on. All right, so now to bring us into my conversation with Stu, I want to give you a quote related to today's topic of mistakes. The quote is from George Bernard Shaw and goes as follows. A life spent making mistakes is not only more honorable, but more useful than a life spent doing nothing. And now for our main segment of the episode today, I'm thrilled to welcome back Stu Wallace. Stu is the author of his latest book is Introduction to Creativity and Innovation for Engineers. And we discussed that with him on a previous episode of the podcast, way back on episode 23 of our Civil Engineering Podcast. Stu, welcome to the Engineering Career Coach Podcast. Hi, Anthony. Glad to be back. Yeah, it's good to have you back. Last time we talked about this idea of innovation and a whole-brained approach to everyday life for engineers, which 
can be challenging at times because, of course, we uh, want to go to our left brain, our analytical brain. And so we dug into that topic. But this time we're talking about something different. I get Stu's articles emailed to me from time to time. And he recently wrote an article that was very interesting. It made me stop and think. And it was called, Do You Make Mistakes? Great. And <laughs> it's, not, it's not something that you would think is great. But that's what we're going to talk about today. So, Stu, before we even get into the topic, what made you write the article? Well, I've made my share of mistakes. And after you've been around for a while, you can either say, well, that was a big mistake to make all those mistakes. But I realized that I've learned a lot from those mistakes. And that's why I came up with the title, Do You Make Mistakes? Great. I always like to think of a now deceased colleague of mine, uh, Rich Weingart, who is a civil engineer, structural expert, owner of his own firm, and a writer. He's written several books. And he said, uh, it's only a mistake if you don't learn from it. That's really the motivation for that little article. So let's start with the basics here, Stu. Why can mistakes be a good thing? They can either teach us what not to do again, or they can teach us how to do something better. Maybe this thing we were trying to do, but came out as a mistake, was an honorable thing to do but we just didn't do it well. Or maybe it was the kind of thing, well, it was such a bad thing, we should never do it again. I'll give you an example of a mistake that happened very early in my career when I finally stopped going to graduate school and got a real job. I got to the end of my first year and I get a letter from my employer. And it says, we're glad that you were successful this year. We'd like to have you back next year. Here's how much you're gonna pay you. Notice that there's an increase in compensation. I looked at the increase and I thought, I ought to have a bigger increase than that. So I went to my boss and I said to him, in no uncertain terms, if I don't get a, a bigger increase, I'm going to leave. That, Anthony, was four to five decades ago. I still remember exactly what he said. Two words. So leave. Well, I didn't. Why? Well, I had stuck my foot in my mouth. I didn't have a plan B. The lesson I learned was it's okay to speak up when you think maybe you should have more compensation or maybe you should have uh, more equipment or maybe you should have a change in your assignments. But don't place an ultimatum on the table unless you have a plan B. Never again, and I thought about this since I knew we would probably get to that topic, I thought about it today and I can honestly say since that time in my very early 20s, I don't think I ever made that mistake again. But there were times when I asked for more compensation, but I did it in a diplomatic, sensitive way and had a plan B if I needed it. I think the key thing there with that example is that Stu made this quote unquote mistake, obviously early on in his career. So he was able to learn that lesson. And then, like he said, for the last 20 years or however long it's been, he hasn't made that same mistake again. And that's a real good characterization of why mistakes can be good because now for the rest of his career beyond that point, he didn't make that mistake. And that could be a big mistake. If he would have made that mistake 20 years later when the job is two or three times the salary that the first one was, it's a much bigger mistake. Yes. So that's a really good example of why mistakes can be a good thing. And I think that is an important thing for you to think about in your career when you do make a mistake and you do get down on yourself. I always try to say, you know, where's the opportunity here? Where can I learn from this? And then you continue to apply it. And I think that really that's how you become successful because you build up 
kind of this called a guideline, but something uh, kind of like procedures and guidelines and strategies to live off of. And a lot of times you create these strategies through the mistakes that you made. However, Stu, that being said, as engineers, we can't afford to make mistakes at work, or at least not big mistakes, because there's a lot of things at stake. So how can we ensure that we not really carry that sense of perfection or that rigidity over into our personal lives when it comes to mistakes? That's, I see that as one of the challenges for us as engineers. Yes, I have, as part of several projects I've worked on, looked at probably two dozen codes of ethics of various engineering disciplines. And as you can imagine, in terms of format, style, they're all over the place. But as many of us know, one provision they all have in common is a protection of public health, safety, and welfare. So we can be uh, sort of glib and, and sort of maybe even humorous about some of the mistakes we've made, but we don't want to make a, a mistake when we're, say, sizing a stormwater detention retention facility. We don't want to make a mistake when we're designing the rigging to put a huge precast concrete section in place on a bridge. We just don't want to make those kind of mistakes. And my impression of us as engineers is we take that responsibility very seriously. But as you suggest, maybe that carries over too much into other aspects of life unnecessarily. And even in our work situation, I believe that there are aspects of our work situation in the office, what have you, where we don't need to be that careful. I'm trying to think of an example. Maybe we have an opportunity to give a presentation about the work we're doing in our engineering firm at a state-level conference. We prepare diligently and we practice. We give the presentation, and frankly, it was very poor. All right, is that the end of the earth? I don't think so. Did we have an opportunity, you used the word opportunity before, to learn something from it? Oh, I know so because I have. So there's an example of a work situation where mistakes are okay. I'm not saying we encourage them, but they're okay. I was going to say, going back to work situation, here is the real rub. We need to always look for ways to advance the state of the art of our particular discipline or specialty. Well, how are we going to do that? Well, okay, we can have some ivory tower types. I've been there in the university setting, pushing the envelope a bit here and there. But eventually something has to happen in the field. We need to, in some of our projects, push the envelope, advance the state of the art. I want to just mention one project I had the privilege of working on, oh, it's 20 years ago, where we did advance the state of the art with a very new idea, always keeping in mind the consequences of the failure. And here was the situation. We had an eight and a half square mile, flat, heavily built up urban area served by combined sewers. Slight rainfall, those sewers just could not carry that stormwater runoff. And since most of the homes had basements, there'd be complaints of sewage backing up into basements. The typical solution to that problem in that area at that time would be sewer separation. Build a new set of sewers, they would be storm sewers, the combined sewers would revert to sanitary sewers. Our team came up with the idea of instead temporarily and intentionally storing stormwater on the streets. And when we even mention that, people would say, well, you're going to flood our cars. The water is going to freeze in the wintertime. The pavement is going to deteriorate. Emergency vehicles won't be able to get through. We said, stick with us. We went very slowly. This is my point. We built 
and tested some flow regulators to regulate the rate at which flow would get into the combined sewer system from the streets. We built and tested some mild berms across the streets. We did a bunch of pilot studies. Eventually, we implemented that system over eight and a half square miles at 40% of the cost of separation, and it works, works to this day. I'm just so happy to have been part of that kind of project because we pushed the envelope, but we did it very carefully with a very supportive client. There won't be many opportunities like that, but we need to be smart enough to see them when they're standing right in front of us. Listening to you and thinking a little bit about my career as well, I think one of the ways that mistakes can hurt you as a professional is when you, the fear of mistakes, right? When they hold you back from either taking a risk or trying something new or doing something that is a little bit maybe pushing your limits or broadening your horizon. I think that I've seen in a lot of great leaders, the ability to say, there's some risk, mistakes can be made, but the benefits, if this works are greater than the risk and they're able to push through it. So do you kind of agree with that? Yeah. And you mentioned the leaders. If we get the chance to work for those kind of leaders, those people who are in management executive positions, who see that the road to progress is inevitably filled, if not in a scattered way, a big way with mistakes, then we're very fortunate. I agree with that. I've had some of those been able to work with for some of those people and it can really go a long way in helping you with your own mindset because it can help you to build up that confidence to take some of these risks and not be so afraid of mistakes. And you know, hopefully some of the things that we're talking about will help you get some confidence in that. What I want to do now real quick is just share a couple of examples and I'll give a couple of my own and if Stu has any more, he can share his as well. Two examples I can give you that are along the same lines is really comes down to responding too quickly to things without thinking or taking a little bit more time. And one example is when I was actually on an engineering project site way back when I was in the field as an engineer. When you're on the field in an engineering project, depending on the discipline you work in, if you happen to be working on a construction site and there's contractors involved, there's a lot of pressure involved because there's a lot of money involved, there's schedules, there's things at stake. And when you're a young engineer out there and you get questions, the pressure to respond to those questions is great. And in this case, the fear, <laughs> I didn't have enough fear, I guess, of making a mistake. So I responded too quickly. And that in itself was a mistake because I didn't give a right answer. And so I learned from that situation to never do that again for the rest of my engineering career and to say to people, I know you need this answer quickly, but I need to make sure that it's right because there's a lot at stake and I'll get back to you as soon as I can. And that really helped me to make sure I didn't do that again. So that was an important mistake for me. And then along the same lines, the same type of mistake has happened to me many times when it comes to email communications. You get upset or you read an email and you want to respond to it immediately. And a couple of times I've had that come back to bite me just because I probably responded too quickly without stopping, rereading it, taking the time to think it through. And if I would have thought it through for 10 more minutes, I probably wouldn't have made the same response. So those are a couple of mistakes for me when it comes to responsiveness that have helped me to shape some of my habits going forward. Let me share one along those lines. I was at another organization. The president of the organization was faced with a challenge. So he called half a dozen of his lieutenants together. And I thought he was patronizing us by making it seem as though he was getting our input, but he had already made up his mind. 
I had that experience with a previous employer at one time. And so I sat there and listened to him and I'm looking at my watch and I, I want to get the heck out of there. This is just a waste of everybody's time. And so in frustration, not so much in, like in your situation where you simply wanted to move everybody ahead. I just blurted out, you're the president, you decide. As soon as it came out of my mouth, I knew that was a dumb thing. The reason I knew is the deathly silence that encompassed me in the entire room. And that probably damaged uh, advancement opportunities at that organization. Again, lesson learned. In the article that you wrote, Stu, one of the things you mentioned was that you worked with an engineer once who seemed to never, almost never make mistakes. He achieved that status by doing essentially the same thing over and over, year after year. And he seemed to live, at minimum, you said, in that gray twilight. Yes. When you mean by that, just kind of average in that average area or? No, what he did, he did very, very well. He could give a lecture on, in the geotechnical field, Moore's Circle, and uh, he could give it without a note, without an ah, without a misspoken word. But that kind of precision, that kind of intellect, that kind of aspiration for excellence was, I thought, underutilized. If some of that energy could have been invested in learning some new areas, new technical areas, and then combine what he was learning in the new areas with his ability to communicate, he could have had a bigger impact. But clearly his intent was the highest degree of excellence striving for perfection in very narrow range of functions. That was his choice. I think that's poor stewardship with whatever gifts we've been given. But that's my view. All right. So what we've talked about so far is we've talked about why mistakes can be good things, which obviously because they help you to learn lessons and implement new strategies and new habits that can push you a little bit towards using all the skills that you have, not playing it so safe all the time. And we've given some examples of that. What we're going to do now is just take a break for a moment, and then we're going to come back in our Take Action Today segment, and Stu and I are going to just discuss a framework that you can use on how to learn from mistakes so that you can try to leverage what we've talked about here and apply it in your engineering career. Now it's time for our Take Action Today segment of the show. Today, Stu and I are going to continue our conversation about mistakes. However, we're going to try to set you up with a framework for certain things you can do to learn from mistakes or to avoid the fear of mistakes. Before we do that, I want to take a moment to recognize our sponsor for today's episode, PPI. And I want to do that by giving you a piece of advice. One of the biggest pieces of advice I can provide to engineers is to get your professional license as early as possible. It's a practical way to advance your career, earn more money, and set yourself apart. To learn more about the exams, including invaluable exam tips, check out PPI's resource centers for the FENPE exams. It's a one-stop hub for all the information you need to register, prepare for, and ultimately pass your exam. Visit ppitopass.com forward slash resources to learn more. Again, that's PPI, the number two, pass.com forward slash resources. And if you need exam prep materials, use promo code TECH on PPI's website for an exclusive 20% discount. Again, that's promo code TECH, which stands for the Engineering Career Coach. All right, I'm back here with Stu Wallace now. And in our Take Action Today segment of the show, we want to kind of wrap this all up. We've been talking about 
why mistakes are important and how you can use them to learn and improve yourself. And now to kind of wrap this up, we want to give you a framework. So let's get going on a framework here. What are you thinking? What do you recommend? Anthony, because you invited me to participate in this podcast, and that coincided with a book I read, I, I do want to mention this book I finished recently. It's not a recent book. It's published several years ago. It's called Mindset, The New Psychology of Success. The author has a simple but potentially useful model of how each of us, one of two ways, each of us tend to sort of view the world around us and the opportunities it provides. The model says we either have a fixed mindset or a growth mindset. Now, a person with a fixed mindset would be like that individual we were talking before. He is very good at certain things and does not want to incur risk any suggestion of making a mistake. So he will just focus on those things and not make any mistakes. Fixed mindsets, according to the author of this book, are often set up when we're young, very young, when we're children. Maybe our parents will start to say, and our grandparents will start to say, oh, you're so smart. Well, they mean well, but they set us up to avoid situations where we won't look smart. So we will avoid situations where we will make mistakes or where we could make mistakes. And therefore, we will avoid trying new things and we'll stifle our growth. Whereas a child for whom we'd like to have a growth mindset, we should say things, according to this author, like, you sure know how to try new things. You are an exploratory person. You are an adventuresome person, meaning it's okay to make mistakes. My first suggestion in this framework is I think we should honestly ask ourselves privately, maybe with the help of loved ones or friends, are we a person with a fixed mindset or a growth, or I like to say exploratory mindset? If we have a fixed mindset, it's going to have long-term implications. And at the end of our life, we may have some big regrets because of that fixed mindset. There may be some things we always sort of wanted to do. I don't care what it is. It might be professionally or it might be personally, but we never had the discipline, the courage to do it because we didn't want to make mistakes. That'd be my first step. But what would yours be? I think my first step for me is I'm always looking for the big win. I guess I have a growth mindset. I'm a big believer in the uh, the Pareto principle, the 80-20 rule, and that forces me to always look for the biggest possible source of growth, regardless of the circumstances or the consequences, I guess. I usually, if I'm approaching something, I'm going to step back and look at the big picture. And when I look at the big picture and I weigh the potential success of an option, Usually for me, I go with the biggest potential for success, and that allows me to overlook the potential for some of the mistakes. A nice application of that 2080 kind of thinking. It sort of connects with another thing that I was going to mention, and that is we really ought to have goals, big goals and sub goals, and recognize that if we are going to even achieve the sub goals, we're going to make some mistakes. We're going to go off into some wrong directions. We're going to iterate. But that's just a road to achieving success and significance. It's uh, got some potholes in it, and they're called mistakes. But we manage to keep our real roads open, even though they have potholes. 
we can certainly keep our personal roads to what we want to do in life open. Deal with the potholes. Don't avoid, don't try to fashion a road without any potholes. I think that's great. And I actually think Stu hit on there one of the things that I found just as of recently, it's becoming more and more apparent. One of the things that I found that helps people to be most successful, which is having the goal, because whenever you have something out in front of you that you're moving towards, it helps you to overcome a lot of the other things like mistakes, like the fear of mistakes, like, well, I got off the track. Well, I can still see where I'm headed. Let me get back on and keep going in that direction. One example I can give you is I just recently joined a new gym, and I think I might have mentioned this on the podcast before, but it's not a gym where you go and you just work out on your own. It's a gym where you go and you do these 36-minute, very intensive workouts in the room with a group of people, and there's a trainer. And what I notice is having knowing that I'm going for 36 minutes and then I'm trying to hit some goals by the end of that 36 minutes is very motivating. Whereas if I go to the gym by myself and I'm just lifting some weights, I'm walking around, I get stuck looking at my phone, it's not as motivating and I'm not pushing myself to do things like I do in the class that's 36 minutes. Having these goals are really important and they can help you overcome this fear around mistakes. And I think you need to build those things into your career if you can. Yes. Anything else, Stu? This would take a, an hour. I don't want to do that. But I want to mention a category of mistakes that uh, we make usually accidentally. And for some, they have great benefits. And this comes from the research I've done for uh, writing that book about creativity and innovation. Let me just throw three of them out there. The person who invented the pacemaker was trying to develop an electronic that device that would simply monitor the behavior of the heart. But he got some wires crossed and found by working with a medical doctor that now the gadget could be used to stimulate the heart. Now think about that. How many people have benefited from the pacemaker? Well, the guy who is credited with inventing the microwave oven was working with microwaves for some entirely different purpose, but he happened to have a chocolate candy bar in his shirt pocket. I mean, how many of us have done that and left a mess in the shirt? But because he was near the microwaves, <laughs> he had a big mess. And that ended up being the microwave oven idea. The third one is a Scottish engineer by the name of Telford. This would have been back, I think, in the uh, 1800s, was designing and getting ready to construct a bridge across the entrance to an estuary. And it was going to be a bridge that basically consisted of beams and supports. But he needed a temporary way to hold some of the beams before they, he could get them out on the supports. So he puts up some columns and he uses some cables and he gets it out there. That was the idea for the suspension bridge. <laughs> there are so many stories like that out there. And I would hope we would all have an opportunity to sort of stumble to success that way also. All right, Stu, before we let you go, I remember when I interviewed the last time when we talked about using your whole brain as an engineer and tapping into the right brain for creativity, which of course is a big part of your most recent book. You were doing some painting and things like that. Do you still do things like that to keep your right brain stimulated? Oh, yes. In fact, it's a long story, but I got into creativity and innovation for engineers accidentally. It started with stumbling into the local art gallery, art center, and on a whim taking an art course. And it's a long story, but one thing led to another. 
I continued to uh, draw in colored pencil and to paint with acrylics, and uh, I love it. That's great. I'll tell you what, even though my eyes have gotten older in the eight years that I've been an amateur artist, I see so much more, Anthony. I see so much more. I see shadows. I see things in flowers I never saw before. I see aspects of my dog's face that I never saw before. It's wonderful. It's amazing. And I know those of you out there listening to this are busy taking up art or taking up something else may not be an option for you, but any small way you can tap into your right brain, I think it's valuable. I mean, I go, I learn a language. I'm learning Italian on Wednesday nights at the local high school. Again, it's just something different. Gets me out of my office, makes me think a little differently, makes me use some different brain muscles, and it's also very rewarding. So that's just something that we'll leave you with at the end. Stu, before I let you go, what's your website for those listeners that might want to read some of your articles? It's called Helping You Engineer Your Future. Helping You Engineer Your Future. www.helpingyouengineeryourfuture.com. I'm on the site now and I see all your books and everything are there and your articles are there. So we will link up to that resource. And Stu, any parting words for the listeners? I, uh, I'll share one of my favorite quotes. Gets us back to, in a way, mistakes. This is from Sidney Harris, a journalist. He said, quote, regret for things we did can be tempered by time. It is regret for things we did not do that is inconsolable. Now, what's that got to do with what we're talking about? I'm thinking of any of us on our deathbed, thinking back over our life. We made some uh, small mistakes, but there were some things we always wanted to do, big things, like you were talking about earlier. But because of our fear of mistakes, we never did it. And now we have a big regret. Let's not let that happen to us. Well, that's great. Stu, thanks again for coming on the podcast. We really appreciate it. Thanks for the opportunity, Anthony. Before we sign off, remember earlier in the show, I mentioned how we've created a new program called the Engineering Management Accelerator Workshop, which combines intensity, focus, and accountability. Well, it's intense because it's a five-week online program, mostly done outside of working hours. You'll focus because you'll be put on a team with other engineers. You'll be given an engineering management problem and then we'll give you five one-hour skill-building calls on skills like communication, networking, productivity, leadership, public speaking, and more. You'll also have five open coaching calls, and we'll put you in a private forum with your team and a coach, and you'll sprint, and you'll find a solution. Then, for accountability, you'll present your solution at the end of the program to our coaches and also to your company once you are finished. This is not only accountability, but it's a huge opportunity because the problems that we give you may generate real solutions for your company while helping you become an effective engineering manager and improve your speaking skills. I have met way too many engineers that haven't been able to make that engineer to manager leap, and this program is built to change that. So please visit engineertomanager.com to enroll for our next session. Spots are limited, and we sold out our last session in just a few days. Also on the website, you will see a tab for company reimbursement towards the bottom where you can download a one-page PDF and some text that you can send with it to your boss in an email, and you'll probably get reimbursed. 90% of our students have. Again, that's www.engineertomanager.com. And I got to tell you, we're in the middle of the session right now, and these engineers are coming up with brilliant ideas. We're working with them to come up with their presentations. And they're going to be presenting this to their company. I really think it's going to help the company and these engineers immensely. So I hope you'll join us at engineertomanager.com. I hope you enjoyed the episode today. 
We'd love to hear your feedback, comments, and or questions. Go to engineeringcareercoach.com forward slash mistakes, all lowercase, that's forward slash mistakes. You'll find a summary of the key points discussed in today's episode, as well as links to any of the resources, websites, or books mentioned during this episode. You can leave a question in the comments section or visit the Ask Us tab on the website. We monitor all comments and will respond if you leave us one. Until next time, please continue to engineer your own success. Thank you for listening to the Engineering Career Coach podcast. Be sure to visit engineeringcareercoach.com where you can find all past episodes and also download a free three-part video series created specifically for engineers to help you best utilize LinkedIn for networking, improve your communication and speaking skills, and also to help develop your leadership abilities. Now is the time to engineer your own success.